0: This is a Billy Joel A to Z special presentation. There is some complexity behind my relationship with what this recording is. Uh, This goes back to 1965. And it's my first band that I recorded with. It's called Lost (laughs) Souls. That's a fan base. (laughs) (laughs) We never did what we needed here. (laughs)
1: Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z.
0: Welcome to a strange episode of Billy Joel A to Z, where today we are discussing one of Billy Joel's first songs ever written and unreleased, entitled Time and Time Again, which is credited to his membership from 1964 to 1967 with the band The Lost Souls. Before Attila, before The Hassles, they were The Echoes. And then for a day or so, they were Billy Joel and The Hydros, and were then renamed The Lost Souls which then had to become the commandos. And then they changed it back to the Redskins. And finally, hey, nothing. Uh And finally, after Mercury Records dropped them, after hearing this song, back to the Lost Souls. But that is some of the reason of why we are making this song a full episode. You see, we sometimes forget about Billy Joel's journey to Cold Spring Harbor. Billy Joel has been around a, a long time. Even longer than Dave Juskin. Wait a minute, who wrote this? Elon, did you write this copy? <laughs> Actually, is that true? Has he
1: been around longer than you? What's no. Let's just say yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we think it's interesting that Billy Joel did all this work even before he created some of the songs we worship off his first album. And although this song isn't special or anything, it's interesting and in listening to it that we forget Billy Joel could have gone the way of Crosby, Stills, in Nash, or the Cow's Hills. Instead, thank goodness, he didn't make it until the late 70s, where rock and roll solidified to timeless classics that we know today. Finally, an interesting reason to pick up the My Lives compilation album, right, Alon?
1: Yeah, it is, although when you have the My Lives on Spotify, this song isn't available for some reason. Shut up, for real? They show it, but it's like blacked out. You can't click it. I don't understand why that is, so I had to oh, listen to it on YouTube.
0: That is absolutely hilarious there's always some form of problem with that stupid my life stuff. i'm sitting there fine i'm like ah, you know what good for them they finally got one right (laughs) and then you're like "Eh, you can't hear it if you got spotted by i mean who's buying the cd which means no one's going to be able to hear this it's an interesting song it's not something you're going to want to hear twice and certainly you and i both were deciding do we dedicate a full episode To this kind of piece of crap, but it's not a piece of crap in our journey of this podcast in the sense that I can't believe all the songs we know about Billy Joel that he was he's so old (laughs) and he was writing songs that sound like this because this is what songs sounded like when he started.
1: Yeah, it really is amazing. Like how long a career can be and how many stops and starts you could have along the way. And that was a good point you made earlier about how, like, if he had hit it off at this point in time, would he have been some kind of folk artist for the rest of his career? Like, you know, because you kind of stick with what works? Although at least with Billy, we know, like over time, he always has kind of adjusted with the times. But it would have been kind of funny if this was just like, oh, Billy Joel, that like awful 60s folk guy. Yeah, we would have got
0: more of the Siegfried line, I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> instead of anything else. But it is. Fascinating. fascinating. I'm going to tell you a story that I just heard on Wednesday before we recorded this podcast. My friend, Vincent, who is the most interesting of all characters, he's the same age as Billy Joel. He was in the original production of hair on Broadway. He was a very good looking guy. He was in acting all the time. He he replaced John Travolta and welcome back Cotter before as his brother, Bobby Babarino. For real? So, uh, yes. Until John Travolta found out he was being replaced, and he goes, "No, no, I'm going back because this is after he was in Saturday Fever. He's like, I got to get out of this sitcom It's stupid." And then when he found that he was being replaced by Vincent, he's like, "No, no, no, no. forget I'm going back.
1: I'm going back." Oh, so so they-, they never actually filmed any of these episodes? Uh, they did film. There are photos. Photos. But yes, okay. I don't
0: think anything was ever filmed, and. He had a part in the Warriors for a little bit and then that got cut. You know, it's the classic story of a guy that should have been a little bit further along, but of course, I wouldn't know him if he was that further, further along, probably. Anyway, he always tells interesting stories and like the time he met Charles Manson and he had breakfast together and stuff like that, right? This guy's got he's full of these stories. He doesn't even understand how amazing they are. And I keep telling him, like, will you just come on the podcast and talk about this stuff? Anyway, he told me Wednesday that he ran into Billy Joel in Long Island. He was going to high school in Long Island, not Hicksville. but when Billy Joel was in one of these, I think he was in the hassles at the time and they were playing the high school that Vincent was attending and Vincent helped him with his equipment and the band stuff. And he said, Billy was great. He was really nice to him. And, and, you know, he was really appreciative that he was helping him load the, Hassles band equipment to the high school they were playing, you know. And the best part of the story was later he told me he was in an acting class, possibly, can I, yeah, is it Stella Adler or is it Uta Hagen? I can't remember with Christy Brinkley. Oh. Yeah. And I said, and he goes, yeah, it was in the 70s. I'm like, no, 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 your timeline doesn't add up because waiting for Christy Brinkley outside this acting class was Billy Joel. I said, your timeline doesn't work. You're, you're, you're an old man. You're not thinking correctly. It has to be the 80s. Yeah, it has to be the 80s. There's no way it can be even 1979. So he said he went out. Billy was waiting for her. Why wouldn't he? You know, you don't want to leave her alone with a bunch of acting folk. Good looking fellas in the acting class. You know, you better be waiting on that doorstep as soon as she gets out of class. Said he went to Billy Joel and he goes, I, I don't know if you remember me, uh, About 20 years ago, I helped you with some equipment, <laughs> but he said he didn't remember him. And he's like, oh, yeah, you you were really nice. Thank you so much again for helping. He was like really sweet. And it was nice. that's good. Because sometimes
1: you hear these stories about Billy being a jerk to people once in a while. It's nice to hear some stories the other way, too, because Billy's like anybody else. He has good days and bad days.
0: Yes, exactly. But what I'm saying is, you know, here's the story that I took from that is that Billy Joel, we know he was in the hassles. But it's like when it becomes real and he actually was playing high schools and he did everything the right way. It didn't just happen for Billy Joel. He really put the work in. And that's what this song is telling you. You know, he just put the work in these. I'm sure these aren't the songs he wanted to sing. He just felt probably these were the songs he had to sing and had to write because that was what was happening at the time. Do you even know what year this song was put together? I don't know
1: not exactly i mean it seems like if it was with the lost souls then it was most likely between the years of 65 and 67 when they recorded this demo and my journey's end but it's not clear like when in that time period it was recorded and you know when i first heard the song in my mind i thought this sounds a lot like that song uh different drum you know which was like a famous song by linda ronstadt the stone ponies i don't know it okay but you would know it if you heard it it's like right it's like very iconic That song wasn't released by her, like the, the hit version, until 67. So I was thinking, well, if he was inspired by that song, it's unlikely that you know, that this would have happened while he was in The Lost Souls. So the timeline there doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Meanwhile, another example, and they might have taken it just right out of Billy Joel's catalog, or perhaps this was just the way it was. This is right out of Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap, which was made in 1984. This is the actual dialogue about the band's history. And Robert, Rob Reiner says, uh, let's talk about your history. He's talking to the band. Talk a little bit about the history of the group. I understand, Nigel, you and David originally started the band uh, back in, when was it, 1964? Well, before that, we were in different groups. I was in a group called The Creatures, which was a skiffle group.
1: I was in Lovely Lads. Yeah. And then we looked at each other and said, so, well, no, might we'll as well
0: up. join up, you know, in there. So we became uh, the
1: Originals, right. and uh, we had to change our name, actually. Well, there's, a, uh, there's another group in the East End called the Originals, and uh, we had to rename ourselves. And the new, original. new Originals. New yeah. Originals, and then uh, they became
0: the Regulars. They changed their name back to the Regulars, and we thought, well, we
1: could we could go back to the Originals. But yeah. what's the point? We became the Tensmen at that point.
0: That is just mythical <laughs> band dialogue, <laughs> which actually happened to Billy Joel because. Didn't we do one where he actually was
1: called the Originals or something? Well, the Commandos. I don't think any of his things were the Originals.
0: Okay, but you see the but they definitely yes. had to call themselves the new something, right? Wasn't it the, the they were the Lost Souls weren't they the new Lost Souls or something? Didn't
1: they have to put the new I don't think they had to do that. The the Yardbirds had to do that. Right, okay. Before they then, became Led Zeppelin when Jimmy Page came into the Yardbirds, they were like the new Yardbirds.
0: Right. So, I mean, these things happened all the time, and Billy Joel was in one of these bands in which Spinal Tap is making fun of that kind of stuff happening all the time. Again, I'm just saying it because Billy Joel's been around a long time, and they're making fun of this. And then it also says it's really funny because this is exactly what happened, that the new originals collapsed in 1964 in Spinal Tap because it didn't have record company support, which is exactly what happened with this song and the Lost Souls. Mercury Records picked them up, then they heard this song, and then they dropped them, leaving them if they wanted to become the Lost Souls again, they could. Something like that, right?
1: Yeah, but then at that point, I think Billy had met the Hassles and decided to join that band. So So you're
0: saying that him and the guy in the Hassles looked at each other and they said they might as well join up, just like the dialogue (laughs) in fucking Spinal Tap.
1: Yeah, and also just like Final Tap, when they sh- they play that clip of the first song, which is what, Give Me Some Money, I think it's called. Yep, that's the Tamesman. Yeah, and it's like, you listen to that, and you're like, that is so 60s. So such- just like this song is, and yep. then they become like this hard rock metal band. And so it's the same thing where Billy was doing this kind of music, and then later he's doing you know We Didn't Start the Fire. It's a very weird change over the years.
0: Yeah, so apparently during the next 18 months, Final uh, Tap performed under the following names. The Rave Breakers, the Hellcats, the Flaming Demons, Shiners, Mondos, the Doppelgang, the Peoples, Loose Lips, Waffles, Hot Waffles, Silver Service, the Mud Below, and the Tough Mel St. <laughs> Hubbins Group.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Mud Below. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you got to love those band name changes when thank goodness he just became Goddamn Billy Joel. That's probably one of the reasons after going through all these changes, he's probably like, I'm not doing that again. I am not joining a band, so I got to change the name of the band 50 times.
1: Yeah. Right. So then it's just like him. That's why I he, he told Liberty, like, look, you're, I'm not going to call us the whatevers. like, it's always going to be my name because I don't want these people to have to change it for some reason. And
0: again, if Liberty had a problem with that, or if anybody in that band had a problem with that, they joined the Billy Joel band. So you just have to be dicks to say you want to change the name after you're clearly joining. Would you like to join the Billy Joel band? It had yeah. to have been put that way.
1: Yeah, basically, it's like, you guys will be my touring band. And maybe if I can get the studio to approve it, you can be the studio band.
0: I wonder if it even put that way. He's like, you guys are my touring band. The end. And then he was like, hey, would you be interested in, you know, working on the album? I think this is cool.
1: Right. And he said to them, look, you're going to get paid $100 per show. And that's going to be your rate until 2006. (laughs) 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 And if you don't like, I'm going to write a song about it called Money or Love.
0: Best song ever.
1: <laughs> I but, was lost. That's not that the, song. Oh, it's not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> money or love. Wait which, <laughs> <one> is, <laughs> wait, which one is the one I was singing? I love Tell that them. One. You're in love. You were singing. Tell them <laughs> you're in love. <laughs> <I was. laughs> you're singing. Tell them your money or love. My
0: two favorite unreleased tracks. My God, what is the matter with me? I'm such a weirdo.
1: Speaking of not such great unreleased tracks, this song really isn't remarkable or good in any way, besides being an interesting point in his history. You know, it's a very generic mid-60s folk kind of song that sounds like the birds or the mamas and the papas uh, or that song I mentioned before, Different Drum. Right. I mean, do you. This isn't I mean, you, you before we started recording, you even had to listen to it again because you had already forgotten what it sounded like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we we knew this wasn't going to be a long show, you know, not that much to say about it. But with shows like this, we maybe we take a look at the lyrics. And when I saw the lyrics, I'm like, I don't even know whether I
1: want to go over the lyrics. I mean, they stink. <laughs> well, when you saw the lyrics, I mean, I see on the YouTube, someone tried to transcribe the lyrics if that's what you saw. I did see that. The guy like unintelligible, right? Something. what is the word? incomprehensible Incomprehensible. and then he put in a lot of work like a lot of it seems mostly right but i listened to him like a lot of these words are totally wrong like this guy said that one of the lines was you thought you was superior i thought now you see that i'm a perfume and there's no way that's what billy is singing i'm sorry like it's hard to tell what billy's singing because the quality's bad but it's not that
0: yeah again the quality is so bad i mean it's just this guy had no luck with record companies. well technically, I guess he had luck with Columbia, but it's just like his his entire history is just getting shit on by people all the time. I, I'm telling you i I guess we've just never delved into another band and there must be this, but it really feels like Billy Joel saw the worst of the record industry that anybody had to give, starting from the very beginning. Yeah. And continuing until his last album. I mean, Jesus Christ. River <laughs> of Dreams. He's still saying, God damn it. My brother-in-law fucked me again.
1: Imagine he had a song on River of Dreams about how like, Mercury Records screwed him over with the Lost Souls. <laughs> I wrote this song called Time and Time Again. How did they not see the potential? They gave me shitty recording equipment. It sounds terrible.
0: Well, remember in the bridge wrap-up, Paul was saying that what would Billy Joel have been like if none of this had happened? And I, I say he would have found something else to complain about or write, about, you know, he was asking, remember Paul was asking, would we have pressure? Would we have this? If not for the Weber family. And I'm like, he would have found something to complain about. So we, we would have just complained about this mercury records instead of, you know, the Weber's or whatever. He, and, he, and he still would have been great. There, there, I think there was no way to lose with Billy. This guy is always looking for trouble. He's always up to something suspicious so he either has to be in in love or the opposite or just and I'm not talking about the opposite of love I'm talking about he needs to be screwed by somebody a friend or somebody and that's Billy Joel and I'm sure along the way he would have found one of those things even if uh he was walking out of the recording studio and 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 a car splashed him in a with a puddle
1: you know <laughs> he, he would have written probably one of our favorite songs that we've ever loved yeah, because he's a guy like Michael Jordan, where he sort of needs to have these perceived slights to give himself that extra motivation, like to give oh, him that killer good. instinct. Right. So, like, he can, so yeah. he'll always find someone who screwed him in some way and use that as motivation to try to get back at them or try to do something great. So like you're saying, if the record labels weren't screwing him, it would have been something silly. But again, also as a guy who struggles with depression and emotional problems throughout his career. You know, even if his life was absolutely perfect, like it was with Christy Brinkley, like he would find a way to screw that up.
0: That's so funny that
1: you, you, that's a
0: great analogy, the Michael Jordan thing. He was always looking for something to give him that edge. That makes, there it is. Yeah, you just described it perfectly. I just keep thinking of myself, you know, man yells a cloud. Some of yeah. us are just angry <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: that's your brand.
0: <laughs> Some of us have been old men since we were 20. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't sure, again, if we were definitely
0: doing trivia, but I tried to come up with something. In the movie, this is Spinal Tap. Billy Joel has played numerous times with the musician cast as Polymore Records' Midwest Promotions rep Artie Fufkin, ironically named Artie and an idiot. Who plays Artie Fufkin?
1: Oh, man, I haven't seen the movie in a while. He's played as a musician that he's played with.
0: Yes, multiple times.
1: I'll Elton John. More of a
0: hint. At, no, it is not Elton John. <laughs> uh, more of a hint is he's played with him on television. And the other hint, I'll just do the imitation. Hi, uh, Arnie. Uh, uh, yes, Arnie Fevkin, Polymer Records. Just kick me in the ass. Oh,
1: uh, Paul Schaefer. Boom. Yes, That's
0: absolutely correct. So, you know. Paul Schaefer or Artie Fufkin very much liked Artie Rip. Who knows? Possibly could have been named after famous loser, people named Artie. Uh, was the promotion rep he was assigned to push, you know, the album in Chicago area in Cleveland. And he blames the decline of record sales for oversaturation of radio promos and the fact that he fucked up the timing. It sounds exactly like something Artie Rip would say after Cold Spring Harbor. <laughs>
1: Yeah, or like when he was booking that awful tour that Billy was on to support Cold Spring Harbor, and I'm sure there was lots of problems that Artie had excuses for.
0: It it really feels, but I guess this is a band thing. We're only concentrating on one dude, but everything we learned from this song and before Cold Spring Harbor and Cold Spring Harbor seems like that's what Spinal Tap concentrated on, except clearly they just took it from every band that we've ever known that i apparently had all these problems but it really does seem when we what we know now that it's singled out almost
1: yeah right it's like it's a thing that's everyone in music has to deal with it seems like it's kind of like with comedy where someone might complain about some comedy club and then you realize every comedy club has that same issue they're all like screwing the comics in some way
0: right uh the best part is in the sequel to spinal tap you find out that the the band, later did not hold a grudge against Artie Fufkin, unlike Billy Joel, because they found years later they attribute the low turnout to a traffic problem caused by a rooftop sniper outside the shop that they were autographing. <laughs> Plus, they also found out, in addition, David St. Hubinson explained that Jack Nicholas was autographing his golf album in a store right down the street and they didn't, they just, they happened to have concurrent markets. So that was also a problem. <laughs> Isn't
1: that fucking awesome? Are those guys the best? Oh my God, so much backstory. I feel like they yeah. could write a thousand pages to give you I, like the full history of all the stuff that you don't see in the movie.
0: I only gave you two of the 10 facts of why they're not mad enough. <laughs> they are, they love doing the backstory. It is terrific.
1: Artie Fufkin. Hey, hey. in a Records, how are you? Hey, uh, how are you doing? Okay. You are Derek. Derek. Artie Fuffkin, yeah. Polymer Records. How Hello, are you? Artie. I'm your promo man mm. here in Chicago. Oh, it's that's good to great. Nigel. I love you guys. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and of course, Nigel. Nigel, I love you. Nigel Tufno. Right. I love your stuff. I go back with you guys. Boy, yeah. do I. Artie Fuffkin, Polymer Records. Right, yeah. I love you. And who are you, darling? Oh, this is my special new friend, Cindy. Hello, Cindy. And this is Belinda. Hi. Hello, Belinda. Artie Fuffkin, nice Polymer you. Records. Yeah. Promo. And I'm. Oh, what's going on here? Hi. Oh, Hi, guys. Out. Artie Fuffkin, Polymer Records. Nice to see you. What are you doing to me here? I'm not doing anything. I this thought thing. we had a relationship here. I don't know what, don't know what happened. The business is terrible, Artie. What, what can I tell you? This is the truth. <laughs> I know business is terrible, but, but what happens with the record? start with a promotion and nobody shows up? I this isn't, a, isn't a personal thing, Artie. Nobody's coming in Forget the store not to... a personal thing. We had a relationship here. Forget about personal. What about a relationship? No. I feel like a 20. schlub, and I don't know what's happening. It's me. That's what it's happening. It's me. I did it. My fault. I don't yeah. know.
0: Well, we were told massive radio
1: support. We did. We did massive. massive. We did massive. massive. We saturated. Is we oversaturated. radio support. That's what it is. It's me. I did it. I fucked up. I fucked up the timing. That's all. I fucked up the timing. I got no timing. I got no timing. I got no timing. You know what I want you to do? Will you do something for me? Well, do me a favor. Just kick my ass, okay? Nothing. Kick this ass for a man. That's all. Kick my ass. No. Enjoy. Come on. I'm not asking. I'm telling. With this, kick my ass.
0: You got the question correct. Do you have one for me?
1: Yeah, I do. So again, I've mentioned this a couple of times, this song, Different Drum. The reason I'm mentioning it now is because it was written by Michael Nesmith from The Monkees. Right. Now, Michael Nesmith is interesting because in 1980, he won the very first Grammy Award for Video of the Year. But it wasn't for a music video. It was for an hour-long TV show. Do you know what this show was? Elephant Parts. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you know that. Yeah,
0: I know everything about Michael Nesmith. You know, I, I wrote a, a movie about the beginnings of MTV, but even before I did all that research, I was completely fascinated. Michael Nesmith is credited with starting MTV in a way, and I know the full backstory on this guy. They said, we love this can you make more and he's like you know go fuck yourself i don't know. he just was he saw mtv he's like eh, this isn't for me or something i don't know he could have been the king of the world and he just didn't care i guess my guess is because his mom invented liquid paper if you know what that is you might be too young oh, really
1: his mom invented whiteout
0: yes and so i guess he just didn't give a crap
1: Another rich guy, you know, anyone who gets success in music or comedy, you always have rich parents. That's what it is. Yeah, The
0: worst part about this guy, he was just an angry, very angry guy. I mean, like we know Billy's angry, you know, I'm angry, but this guy was really angry where he just, you know, was just a dick. Like he was big in Australia and he just wouldn't play any monkeys tunes. And then he was mad that he was in the monkeys. And then later he rejoined the monkeys because he knew he wasn't going anywhere. You know, he's one of those guys. He's angry. It's like William Shatner was angry about Star Trek for a long time until, you know, then he embraced it, It took a long time.
1: Yeah, but I can see that from Michael Nesman's perspective, because you're in a band, the Monkees, where everyone assumes you're just a fake band and that you guys don't have any talent. You're just a TV band. And he's like, hey, I'm writing these hit songs like I'm I've got skills. I'm not just some guy miming on a guitar. And I think a lot of people don't realize that this guy himself was very talented. Yeah,
0: there was something about that, but he was also a douchebag. So it's like, you know, it just didn't matter. I think if he I think if it was Davy Jones who was that talented, it wouldn't have made a difference that he was in the monkeys at all. He was the most unattractive of all the three, and he didn't have a good singing voice. And I i think if if, if it was Mickey Dolan, someone who you know still has an amazing voice. Until he elbows. just passed away. Mickey Dolan's passed away?
1: Am I wrong? I'm pretty sure he died. Not so long ago.
0: No, I think you're wrong. He's the last surviving member. And obviously, my friend produced the last two Monkeys albums. And it's amazing how his voice is held up. I think he's around Billy's age. And his voice is still great now in the 70s.
1: Son and, and you're a
0: dream but just like me. We don't need reality We're in a wrong woe. A whole world What in our wrong woe little world work in a wrong world that nobody else can see
1: oh, you're right, Mickey Dolan's still alive, seventy-seven years old. I wasn't worried yeah
0: so i think if it was one of the other guys you know peter torque davy jones a little bit more attractive better singing voice i think michael nesmith could have made it so i think with their if they had the writing skills or whatever i think one of them could have made it because yeah you know you might be and back then everybody was mad oh you think about this or if you were at a tv show you're this but the the people that are great rise above it you know they're yeah. they they, they escape robin williams escaped mork and mindy i mean think about this This guy should have been typecast for the rest of his life as an alien with the rainbow suspenders, and he never should have worked again. But talent rises above that because back then they were saying, if you're on TV, you cannot make it in movies. And he proved everybody wrong because he was a major talent. And that's all it takes. So the people that didn't make it really weren't that talented. You know, the real talents were able to break that Uh, whatever people perceived them as Tom Hanks is a good example. That guy started on television and they, his agency, I tell this story all the time. His agency didn't think of it he started to do movies. He did splash and they're like, no, people only think of you as, you know, the romantic comedy guy. And he's like, yeah, but I want to be an action hero or so, you know, I want to be in action movies. And they're like, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. So he fired everybody and he got this movie called Dragnet 87 With Dan Aykroyd, and it changed his whole career around. Go figure. It's not a great movie, but it showed he could do different
1: and play different. Yeah, and there's his whole career. There's musical examples, too. Someone like Justin Timberlake. It's like you're in a boy band, and then you have to come out and become a solo artist who does different stuff. And now Harry Styles is the new version of that coming from one direction. That's right. That's exactly right. And all the other bandmates also try to do their own thing, um, and to much, you know, to lesser extents of success.
0: Yeah, you're talking, especially Justin Timberlake. He dances, he sings. He's got this really interesting voice, and you know, for a man. And I, I don't even know whether he writes his own stuff, but he had swag, and he just is cool. And sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, but to but for Justin Timberlake to go on this long.
1: You know, to still be relevant, it's fascinating. That, that's, a, you know, it's it takes a lot of courage and guts. Yeah, that's a long career, just like uh, Billy Joel. You know, he was doing something as a teenager, and then uh, now he's in his 40s and still pretty relevant. Who? who oh, you, Justin Timberlake. Oh, Justin Timberlake. I thought you were talking about Billy. You know, Billy Joel's not in his 40s anymore. I, I didn't mean to break it to you. Well, he looks like it. Yeah. He looks great. He sure does. Well, now we talked about Michael Nesmith more than we talked about the song time and time again. So I think that's pretty I'm pretty good.
0: sure the audience knew where we were going to this is what we do in a song that has no relevance to anything. But I'm glad we talked about it. You know, when you hear that song, you're like, Wait, what are you talking about? This is Billy Joel. This isn't Billy Joel. We, we have to acknowledge the dues he paid to get to us today talking about him on a podcast.
1: Yeah, and also what's good is that now people can go and find this song. And I'm sure as much as our listeners love Billy Joel, I'm sure over 90% of them have never heard this song. So now you all get to discover basically a new Billy Joel song.
0: Aren't they, aren't they
1: lucky? Yeah, they're so lucky.
0: And I don't mind wasting all my time with
1: you. Well, folks, that was Time and Time again. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Are you upset that we wasted an episode on this song?
0: Yeah, feel free to give us four stars.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know that Michael Nesmith was credited with starting MTV? Fascinating. Do you think Spinal Tap is based on Billy Joel's career? Clearly. And can you listen to this song and please tell us what the hell the lyrics are? <laughs> Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Except you man. I'm again. I
0: was today.